Do we need a constitutional amendment to make all abortions in Louisiana illegal? Do we need a statewide vote to make sure that no one who is raped or a victim of incest cannot have an abortion? Over the last 50 years, the Louisiana legislature has amended the state constitution 195 times. But do we need another constitutional amendment when Louisiana already has some of the most restrictive abortion laws in the country? This fall, Louisiana voters will have the opportunity to vote on a constitutional amendment that states, nothing in this constitution shall be construed to secure or protect a right to abortion or require the funding for abortion. It just seems like politicians in Louisiana are focused on proving who is the most pro-life. Louisiana is ranked the number one pro-life state by Americans United for Life. The well-organized opposition to access to abortion in Louisiana has an overwhelming majority of support in the Louisiana legislature and the governor's office. Over the last decade, Louisiana has continued to restrict access to abortion by passing laws on clinic licensing, admitting privileges for doctors, and enhanced enforcement. What can citizens do to make a difference if you believe in the access to the full range of reproductive health care, including access to abortion, is more important for the health and safety for women? This podcast is called 17 Minutes to Change the World. As chair of Louisiana Progress, I believe that citizens need to be informed, engaged, and mobilized to hold our policymakers accountable. I am Melissa Flournoy, Chair of Louisiana Progress, former Louisiana legislator, and lifelong advocate. And we are here today with Michelle Ehrenberg, the Executive Director of Lift Louisiana. She's also a member of the Louisiana Coalition for Reproductive Freedom, and Justin Hartley, who is a digital campus organizer with the Feminist Majority. And they are both working on the campaign for Louisiana personal freedoms to defeat the amendment. So welcome, Justin and Michelle. Thanks for being on with us this afternoon. So Michelle, there's been a lot of activity around abortion laws in Louisiana. Can you give us some background on the laws that have passed and some of the litigation in federal courts? Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, so since Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973, Louisiana has passed 89 restrictions on abortion access. And 35 of those restrictions have been passed just in the last decade. And these include everything from uh, restrictions that limit the types of providers, the types of physicians who can provide abortions in Louisiana, to how long people have to wait to have an abortion, what information they are going to need to receive before they have an abortion, um, and to, um, you know, regulations of exactly what the clinics need to look like, how, you know, how they need to be outfitted in order to provide abortions in Louisiana. And so this is a, an entire sort of legal and regulatory scheme 
that has been designed over the last 45 years to really limit people's access to abortion, limit the, uh, the types of facilities that can provide abortions and the type of physicians that can provide this care to their patients. And but you a lot the of- legislature passed some laws that they even knew weren't constitutional. Has this led to litigation? And, and are we spending money as a state for laws to fight uh, in the federal courts? Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially since 2016, when the Supreme Court decided the case in Whole Woman's Health, the um, Hellerstedt, that case was decided from uh, laws that were passed in Texas that required both admitting privileges for doctors who provide abortions and also, um, you know, required the abortion clinics be outfitted like ambulatory surgical centers. And, and the whole idea behind this was that, you know, this is what the clinics and the doctors needed to do to make abortion safer for women. And when the Supreme Court looked at this, they said, you know, there really isn't any medical benefit to these requirements. And, and beyond that, whatever medical benefit there is, um, it doesn't outweigh the immense burden that is going to be placed in the way of, of, of people who are trying to access abortion, because these kinds of regulations were designed to close clinics down, and that's exactly what they would do. So in 2016, when the Supreme Court decided that case, it was very clear that a lot of the efforts that states like Texas, and especially Louisiana, have taken over the last decade to restrict access to abortion, um, were designed in a way to uh, to shut clinics down, and the Supreme Court stepped in and said, "No, we're not doing that. That is not a, that is not what we are, um, you know, designing our our legal system to do, because we have precedent in in law that protects a woman's right to decide on her own in consultation with her doctor, with her." Um, you know, with her faith on her own to make this decision. Um, nevertheless, Louisiana has continued to push for forward these types of laws, admitting privileges um, and, and various other kinds of restrictions and barriers that are placed in, in the way of women who are seeking an abortion. And we have been at, at Lift Louisiana, along with a lot of our coalition partners, year after year going to the state legislature, telling them that these laws are unconstitutional. They know they're unconstitutional. Courts have said they're unconstitutional, and they're pushing them forward anyway, knowing that it's going to mire the state in costly litigation for years to come. The most recent case on admitting privileges in Louisiana it took five years for that case to make it to the Supreme Court. And we don't know the exact total, uh, uh, but we can, we can surmise that the, case, that the state has spent millions and millions of dollars defending that unconstitutional law in court. That's money that could be directed into programs to help, uh, you know, support people who are uh, wanting to carry an unplanned pregnancy to term or support people that are struggling to find adequate childcare to support people who are at the bottom of the income scale. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really about a matter of priorities for the state. So, so Michelle, let me follow up on that. Cause you said that the state of Louisiana has spent anywhere between three and $5 million on litigation probably just in the last five years. And so 
that money's going to private attorneys, not just to people who work for state government. And is the attorney general contracting out that work to law firms that he knows? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, it's interesting because we've actually done a couple public records requests um, trying to figure out who's getting the money to, uh, to, to defend these, these unconstitutional laws in court. And what we have found is that the state has contracted out, has hired outside counsel for mo many of these lawsuits that they're engaged in, you know, to the tune of, um, you know, one case in particular, like uh, over $500,000 at the last time that we were able to get any records on it. So, you know, considering the multi multitude of cases that they're, uh, that they're in court litigating right now, um, we can assume, you know, exponential growth in that amount of money that taxpayers in Louisiana are spending. So yeah, so they're looking to outside counsel and in a lot of cases, they're hiring firms that, you know, I would say have a complete conflict of interest, um, it, you know, uh, firms that, you know, previously had partners that are now sitting on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals or partners, uh, firms that have partners that are now, you know, sitting members of Congress in the case of uh, Mike Johnson. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a whole, you know, I, I'm not as conspiracy so theorist, it's a, but it's, it's a, a whole cottage game. industry absolutely. around abortion litigation. Absolutely, absolutely. They're making a lot of money off of this kind of litigation at the expense of taxpayers in Louisiana. Well, we already have really extensive restrictive abortion laws in Louisiana. I mean, I think we've got waiting periods, we've got counseling per uh, requirements, we've got right to know laws where they give you information. What else does it take now to go through the process to actually receive health care? What are the restrictions in place? Well, I know that this is a short podcast, so, um, you know, that would, you know, require a lot more time, but I could just give you the basics. So if you're a, if you're a, a person who is faced with an unplanned pregnancy that's considering abortion in Lake Charles, Louisiana, you're going to have to travel 130 miles one way to reach the nearest clinic where you can, you can actually receive services. And once you get there, you're going to have to uh, get an ultrasound. Uh, the ultrasound requires that um, that the image be visible, that the that the sound of the ultrasound be audible. You don't have to listen to it, and you can turn away. You don't have to look at it, but it has to be visible. And then the doctor is is required to read a state mandated script um, informing you about risk, you know, uh, to having an abortion. Most of which is actually medically inaccurate. And so a lot of this is designed to really um, sort of scare people or shame people away from the, their decision to go forward with the abortion. Um, you have to have that counseling session 24 hours before you can actually have the procedure. So you go through all of that and then you have to wait an entire day before you can go back to the clinic to actually have the procedure. And because we have so few clinics, uh, oftentimes it's very difficult to get people back into the clinic the next day to have the procedure. So sometimes people are waiting, you know, two, three, maybe even four days or up to a week before they're able to get in to have the procedure. So if you've traveled all the way from Lake Charles, Louisiana, that means that you're having to go all the way back home and then drive all the way back. And, you know, I mean, I, this is really significant when you think that um, 60% of people who are 
are obtaining abortions in the state already have children. So when they're, you know, leaving their homes to go have this medical procedure and driving all of this distance, they're having to take time off of work. They're having to find childcare for the children that they already have. They're having the expense of gas or maybe an overnight stay in order to access the service. And so this puts abortion completely out of reach for many people in Louisiana, especially low-income women, women of color. And these are, you know, when we think about, you know, how difficult abortion is to access in, in, in the state of Louisiana on a regular basis, and that's, you know, in, in the situation that we find ourselves with the pandemic, it's just multiplied. And well, yeah. so let me interrupt and just say this. It's hard to, to receive these services in Louisiana already. We already have all of these restrictive abortion laws in place. There is no government funding for abortions, period. Um, is this constitutional amendment necessary? I mean, what's the intent of this? Why are they trying, why is this on the voting uh, ballot in November? Well, that's a good question. So Louisiana already has a trigger ban. So if Roe v. Wade were overturned, Louisiana already has a law on the book that would make abortion illegal, even in the cases of rape and incest for anyone in Louisiana that wasn't facing essentially imminent death. Um, uh, and there's no exceptions for rape and incest in our trigger ban. So the constitutional amendment really is unnecessary. But I think that the reason that it's so dangerous is because by enshrining in the state's constitution that people do not have a right to abortion, it is going to make it exponentially more difficult for us to hold on to the right to abortion that we that we currently have in Louisiana or expand those rights to include people that might be left out by a, 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 the, the trigger ban that's on the book in Louisiana. So it would be more difficult for us to provide protections for people that are survivors of rape and incest if there's a constitutional amendment that essentially says no one in Louisiana has the right to abortion. Well, you know, I've known and worked in this area of reproductive health and rights and reproductive justice for an awfully long time. And there are a lot of terrific organizations and allies and advocates um, that really are concerned about protecting the rights of women to protecting their access to health care. And so uh, let me switch over to Justin. Um, there's the new coalition, the Louisiana Coalition for Personal Freedoms. Um, Justin, how has the campaign helped pull groups together and sort of what's your vision for the coalition and, um, and how can we have an organized strategy to help fight this uh, constitutional amendment? Hi, thank you for having me on the podcast. It's been wonderful. Um, I think I'm working with the Feminist Majority Foundation and we're an organization that is seeking to recruit as many people as possible, educate as many people as possible, inspire as many people as possible to protect abortion access in Louisiana. Um, and we're working on a kind of two-part campaign to register as many people as possible um, and then work as an issue-based campaign to turn out the vote to make sure everyone votes no on the anti-abortion, um, the anti, the no right to abortion constitutional amendment or amendment one. Um, and that's what we're doing so far. We have um, 
organizers on 16 campuses across the state. And um, as Michelle said, we have over 89, we have 89 trap laws in um, the state, which make it extremely difficult already to have an abortion. And there's only three um, abortion clinics in the state. And it's really important that we get this um, voted down because um, we work from a framework of saying we want abortion access for everyone because we believe abortion is healthcare. Um, and also, as Michelle said, it majority affects um, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, especially rural people across the state. We have a little bit under 5 million people, but only three clinics. Well, so Justin, you're a young person who's in college and you're trying to organize on college campuses. How, do, how does your generation react to this issue? And, and is there energy around defeating Amendment 1? Definitely. I think there's a lot of energy around defeating this constitutional amendment. Um, young people are a driven group. Gen Z is fantastic. We're very politically active. Um, and I think when we can engage with people, especially in the very interesting times we are in currently with COVID-19 and a pandemic that is ravaging our country, both on racial and on um, healthcare lines, um, activating people is one of the most important things we can do. Um, because while this may be facing um, issues of abortion access, we eventually want to move forward with a reproductive justice framework that um, allows more people across the state to have all kinds of access. Um, I think we are using our pages. We it, All 16 campuses have their own individual um, vote no campaign organizations and we're going to be working with um, our teams to build volunteer teams across um, all of our campuses to get as many people registered to vote and as many people to vote now. Well Justin how can people get involved and help? Do y'all have a website or a Facebook page? Can people volunteer or sign up or get on an email list? Uh, uh, how can folks that want to protect access to abortion care in Louisiana uh, get involved to help defeat Amendment 1. Definitely. On Instagram, you can follow VoteNo1LA. Um, that is our main organization, and we're building out all of our campus um, Instagrams, Twitters, and Facebooks as we speak. Um, so if you're a college student on one of those campuses, or, and we also have an HBCU page, um, you can follow those individual pages for direct resources on how you can get involved and how you can register um, people in your community and how you can get involved in protecting this very essential right to have an abortion in Louisiana. Well, you know, Michelle, you've been involved in these issues as a volunteer and now as an organizational leader um, for quite a while. So how many, what other organizations are part of the official campaign for personal freedom or members of the Louisiana Coalition for Reproductive Freedom. Um, and how can we mobilize all of those groups to uh, help get the word out? Well, I'm glad you asked. We actually have quite a, a number of organizations that are involved, everyone from IWO, the Independent Women's Organization, um, that's, you know, sort of organized centrally in New Orleans, but um, is working to, you know, 
promote a, a progressive leadership across the state to the um, ACLU of Louisiana. We have groups like the National Council of Jewish Women, the, you know, the Unitarian Universalist um, women that have organized for reproductive freedom within their congregation, um, to student organizations like the Feminist Majority, If When How, uh, which are, you know, young aspiring lawyers that are working for reproductive justice, uh, Med Students for Choice. Um, it's a really robust campaign of um, organizations, you know, across the gender spectrum, across the racial spectrum, across the, um, uh, you know, across uh, the age spectrum that are all really coming together to uh, stand up and say, you know, Louisiana's constitution is not a place where we are going to, to take people's rights away. Louisiana's constitution should be affirming people's rights. It should be a place in which we are uh, centering the rights of uh, people who are marginalized and who are not represented by um, our elected officials and making sure that they have the freedom to pursue you know, the direction of their lives that they see fit. Um, and we are going to work together to reject this notion that the Constitution of Louisiana um, should be used to, to strip people of their constitutional rights and to really harm people that are suffering on the wrong side of you know, the gender gap, suffering on the wrong side of the economic security um, gap and, uh, and you know, by, by making it much, much, much harder for people to be able to access a safe and legal abortion in the state. Well, I just want to say thank you for the great information and insight into the challenges of protecting access to abortion care in Louisiana. You know, I understand that people have strong emotions about the issue of abortion, but real life is very complicated. You know, I believe that women need to have access to the full range of reproductive health care, including abortion. We cannot know the circumstances and life experiences of women who make this important decision to end the pregnancy, and we shouldn't judge them. You know, I'm a lifelong advocate for family planning and accurate health education. In fact, I started pushing sex education in the legislature in 1992. Um, one of my biggest frustrations is that we still don't have uh, access to affordable family planning services and accurate health education. You know, I just wish people across the political spectrum would come together to focus on prevention of unwanted pregnancy the education of young men and young women about sexual responsibility and support people facing life altering medical challenges. You know, you mentioned that there are a lot of groups, there are some clergy groups, there are some nonprofit groups, women's groups, advocacy groups, all um, in support of protecting the right to reproductive health. Um, one of the things that I saw this week that it really I want to comment on and share with folks is from Sister Joan, um, uh, Chisister, uh, who really talks about uh, the need to expand the vision of pro-life. I do not believe that just because you're opposed to abortion, that that makes you pro-life. 
In fact, I think in many cases, your morality is deeply lacking. If all you want is a child born, but not a child fed, not a child educated, not a child housed. But why would I think that you don't? Because you don't want to any tax money to go there. That's not pro-life, that's pro-birth. So I'm concerned that we live in a state that's more concerned about the rights of unborn children than the rights of families to try and raise their children. So we call this podcast 17 Minutes to Change the World because we want people to take a few minutes to be informed and to be an advocate. So we can do better in Louisiana if we hold our elected officials accountable, if we are informed, if we are engaged, if we are mobilized. So I want to encourage you to talk to your family, your friends, your Sunday school class, your book club, your sewing circle, your neighborhood association, the people that you're friends with on Facebook, um, and ask your friends to stand up for reproductive justice. So we can encourage folks to vote against constitutional amendment number one. So please look for information on Instagram, look for information at Lift Louisiana, Louisiana Progress and other related organizations uh, to learn more about how to defeat this amendment. Thank you for listening to 17 Minutes to Change the World. Look for Louisiana Progress on the web at louisianaprogress.org and on Facebook. It's time for us to stand up, speak up, and show up. Thank you for listening to our podcast.